Second Peter chapter one, verse fifteen. And I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure you will be able to call these things to mind. I just wanted to say that when he says any time after my departure, he's using the word Exodus. The same word that Jesus used that it was used of Jesus during the transfiguration, which we are about to read about. They were speaking with Jesus about his exodus. The same word was used, this departure, his exodus. And the pattern we see in the scripture over and over again is when the believer physically dies, they are very much alive. They are very much alive. When the believer dies, they are very much alive. And in fact, all people will, are eternal. You know, everything else that we deal with in life is temporal. Everything that we deal with in life is temporal. All the things, all the, all the, all the publications I write, I mean, everything is temporal. But people, people actually are eternal. Some will be eternally, forever, separated from Christ. Others will forever be together with Him. So, it can even be helpful to look at people knowing that this person is going to be eternal. If they are a believer, they will eternally be in the same place that you as a believer will be. And uh, if they're an unbeliever, they are still eternal, but eternally separated from the Lord. It's interesting what God does, how much He values human beings. He makes them a part of eternity. And that's why Peter speaks of his departure, of his exodus. Now let's read from verse 16. For we did not follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, such an utterance as this was made to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. And we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. So he is making reference to the time of the transfiguration. He's making reference to that. Uh, um, and so what he says is, he says, you know, we're, we didn't, we're not following cleverly devised tales. And certainly what he is talking about is the Mishnaic writings of the, of, of the Jews, which are all these tales that are put together by rabbis. But he says that what we've got here is we've got power, We shared with you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus has ultimate power over everything. Everything is subject to Jesus. Everything is subject to Jesus, even the will of human beings. Even the will of human beings. What he does is in the day of his power, he brings our will even into conformity to his will. If you say, no, no. In my will, I were free. If you were free in your will, you never would have chosen Jesus. Never. It's only when his will, his will, takes your will and brings it into conformity with his will. I'm just telling you this. We are so enslaved to sin, we never would have chosen him. You can never credit yourself for having chosen him. This is all because of Christ, all because of the power of Jesus And what they came, what the apostles share with us, is about his power and his coming. This is what he's talking about. His power. Jesus has supreme power over everything. He says, for when he received honor and glory from the Father, such an utterance as this was made to him 
by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Turn to Luke, Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, we're going to look at the transfiguration uh, because this is what he's making reference to. Jesus had told them, uh, told his disciples, don't talk about this until after I'm raised from the dead. And, uh, uh, it, and, and so it's, it's uh, referenced in Luke chapter 9. It's also uh, a parallel reference to this in, in Mark chapter 9. But we're going to look at the Luke passage here. Luke chapter 9, verse 28. Some eight days after sa- these sayings, he took Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face became different, and his clothing became white and gleaming. And behold, two men were talking with him, and they were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory, and they were speaking of his departure. And that word departure is exodus. They were speaking, same word. They were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions had been overcome with sleep, but when they were fully awake, they saw his glory and two men standing with him. And as these were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not realizing what he was saying. And while he was saying this, a cloud formed and began to overshadow them, and they were afraid, and they entered the cloud as they entered the cloud. Then a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent and reported to no one in those days any of the things which they had seen. And if you read the account in in Mark, it will say that Jesus actually instructed them, don't tell anybody about this until after I've risen from the dead. So he took Peter, James, and John. So Jesus had 12 disciples. Those disciples were listed always in in, uh, um, three groups. And over the three groups, there was a senior person over each of the three groups, and it was Peter, James, and John. Peter was actually the, the, the leader of the 12 overall, but he was leader of one subgroup, Peter over, not, uh, 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 Peter over one um, was, was over the 12, and then Peter over one, James over another, and John over another. And so um, it says that... that when Jesus was praying, his face became different and his clothing became white and gleaming. Jesus has all the glory with him, but there's something called the Shekinah glory, the shining glory, the shining glory. And Jesus' body normally veiled that because it tells us in the, in, in the prophet Isaiah that there was nothing in him physically, there was nothing in him that made him different than other men that we could see. But here we see that when that veil was lifted, he was now different. He was now different and he was just shining. And this is how he's going to return. And he's just shining. And it says that two men were talking with him. It was Moses and Elijah. So Moses and Elijah were talking with him and they were speaking about him. They were speaking with him about his departure, about his exodus that was going to be taking place. Why God sent Moses and Elijah, I don't know. There's many people he could have sent, but he sent Moses and Elijah to speak with Jesus. What's always intrigued me is how did Peter know that it was Moses and Elijah? You know, how did he know? know, Hello, my name is, 
or something. You know, how did he know? But it reveals to us that, that, that it may be in heaven that it would be somehow obvious what their names are. Because Peter recognized them as Moses and Elijah. And, uh, uh, and it says that they were ministering and, and they were talking to Jesus. And uh, uh, Peter, you know, you know, says some things that he, I'm sure he regretted to somehow equate Jesus with Moses and Elijah and build a tabernacle to all these things. And then God comes with this, this loud voice. He says, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. I mean, this is a profound word. Listen to him. If anyone loves me, he will keep my commandments, Jesus said. He will keep, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, Jesus said. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, John 14, 23. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. The Father says, listen to him, listen to him. It would do us great well to listen to Jesus to listen to his instruction. Because even God the Father proclaimed, listen to my son, this is my chosen one, listen to him. Jesus is the best in every way. I'm telling you, if you listen to him, if you hearken to hear his voice, it will change you. You will become a better person. It will change you for the good. And, and so this is what he's telling us. And so Peter in 2 Peter, go back to 2 Peter, is making reference to that event. And so he says, when he received, in verse 17 of 2 Peter chapter 1, for when he received honor and glory from God the Father, such an utterance as this was made to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. And we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. There was nothing particularly holy about that mountain until this thing happened. Some people think that's Mount Tabor, which is on the north, northwestern side of Israel, Mount Tabor. Uh, uh, and, and that there's tradition dates back to the third century on that. There's others that believe that that, that was on Mount Hermon, which is the highest mountain in Israel. Mountain in Israel which is closer to actually where they were at this time. And uh, uh, that, 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 that would be Mount Hermon. Uh, so both have been proposed, but the Bible doesn't tell us, so we don't really know exactly what mountain they were on. And then it says in verse 19, So we have the prophetic word made more sure, to which we do well to pay attention, as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. So the New American Standard puts it this way. So we have the prophetic word made more sure. If you were just to read that, you would think that the voice that came out of heaven, the one he just ref made reference to in verse 17, uh, uh, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased, one would think that the prophetic word that was spoken, that that, that was the prophetic word and it was... It, that prophetic word made things more sure. But actually, the New American Standard inserted a few words here, and I can tell they inserted it because they're in italics. So the NIV doesn't do that. The NIV is, is sort of a paraphrase, whereas the New American Standard puts words in italics if it adds words so that you can see the words that it added to the Greek text. And it actually ends up changing the meaning. So let me read it again, verse 19. So we have the prophetic word made more sure. When I delete the words that are in italics, it says, 
we have the prophetic word more sure. We have the prophetic word more sure. If you look in, 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 um, in Young's literal translation, so this is a literal translation of, of what it says. It says, and we have more firm the prophetic word. We have more firm the prophetic word. So he says, he, he, he's talking about the word that came from heaven. The word, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And so he's saying this, and then, and then he says, we have more firm the prophetic word, which is exactly what it says. We have more firm the prophetic word. That's because the written word is always more valid than our personal experience. And I know we've heard pastors say, your experience, if it's your experience, it, our experiences can deceive us. They can really deceive us. On the day that I got saved, Jesus was in my room. It was not something I could see, but his presence was so real. That may have been my imagination. may have been my imagination. I mean, people have great imaginations. I have a prophetic word much more sure than that in the, in the scriptures, in the Bible itself. Peter is making reference to the Old Testament. The prophetic word, the written word, is more sure. It is more sure than my experience. People can have all sorts of experiences, feel that they've seen things, and that doesn't mean it's not real. To me, Jesus appeared in my room, but I have something more sure than that. And that is the Old Testament itself, the prophetic word that talked about it. The New Testament, the apostles' teaching, is more sure to me than my experience. Because people can have all sorts of experiences. I'm telling you, you can, you can think all sorts of crazy things. You know, you, you, you come into a busy city and you're like, Lord, provide for me a parking space. I, I just get this sense that I'm going to make a right turn and there will be a parking space. There's no parking space there. So obviously that wasn't really something of the Holy Spirit. That was myself speaking to myself. It happens all the time to me. It happens all the time. And, and, and we can think that we hear things, and, and this is why people will say things. And, well, the, the Lord told me this. The Lord told me that. And okay, I don't particularly like to speak like that. Some people enjoy speaking like that. The Lord told me this. And that's fine but I take that not nearly as strong as I take the Scriptures, the Word of God. Because sometimes the Lord tells people things. I had a student, when somebody, I tried to recruit him into my group, he says, the Lord told me that, that I should accept this position with Microsoft. I said, you know, if the Lord told you that, I'm backing off. Because I'm not going to try to convince you to work for me if the Lord told you to work for Microsoft. I have never heard the Lord tell me anything that clearly that he spoke to you, but if he said that to you, there's nothing. The next day he came to me, he says, I'll work for you. <laughs> you know? And so, so and, and um, we, we just need to be careful when we say these sorts of things. When my daughter was born, my first daughter, I mean, I had a prophet in the church come up to me and tell me that, that uh, uh, that Shireen was going to bear a son. Now, we never had ultrasound done for determination of the sex of the child. We wanted to keep it a mystery. So for us, it was a surprise when she was born. But I had this guy tell me that, that you know, he had heard from the Lord that I was going to have a son. And I had a daughter. Then he, he said to me, 
is for your next child. I had another daughter, and I stopped listening to him. So, you know, you just have to be careful what you say. And if the Lord spoke to you, that is great. Be very careful about how you project that to another person. I prefer to say, I had an impression. You know, that's a much softer way of putting it. I had an impression. Or it might be that. You know, and then, then you can say, it, because we don't want it. You know, so flippantly take God's word to me. He is saying that this word, we have a prophetic word more sure, even more sure than a voice. Because I'm telling you, we can hear voices. People hear voices all the time. You know, there's people who hear voices and they usually are on medication to keep them from hearing too many voices. It's not that God doesn't speak. God can speak and he does speak. But even if you look at it in the scriptures, it was rare. You would go 25 years, 25 years or 12 years or 25 years of time before God would speak again to Abraham. You think God was speaking all the time to Abraham? He wasn't. We're talking decades between him speaking to Abraham. So this view that, 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 that God is going to speak into your life every day with the clarity of a human voice, some people may get that, but not a lot. There's not a lot. So I'm just saying, for me, for Jim Tour, I have to be very careful about saying the Lord said this, unless I'm reading it from the Bible. I might say, well, it might be, or I might show you something from the Bible that can apply to your life. But anyway, he says, we have a prophetic word more sure. We have a prophetic word more sure. And that's the scriptures. He says, we have a prophetic word more sure to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your heart. This morning star arising in our hearts is a reference to Jesus. Jesus is the morning star in Revelation 22.16. Revelation 22.16 says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things, for, uh, these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. Jesus is the morning star. So when, he, when he's speaking like this, He's saying that, that um, he's saying we have a prophetic word made more sure and we better pay attention to it. We had better take heed to this word. And this is why I say, if you are not in the scriptures every day, you are going to have a weak Christian life. You will always be weak if you are not daily in the scriptures. The scriptures tell us over and over again the importance of daily, daily, daily in the word of God. It puts it two ways. Every day and day and night. Those two ways it puts it. Either every day or day and night, the scriptures put it. Every day in the word of God. And there is special blessing for those who are every day in the word of God. You want to see advancement in your career? I urge you to put the word of God in your life every day. You want to see blessings called down upon your your children? I urge you to to put the word of God in your life every day. And And this is what he's saying. He says, we have a word more sure to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. Until Jesus comes, you stay in the Word of God every day. Every day. I don't know how it's going to be in heaven. I don't know 
you know, exactly how it's going to be in heaven. But for us on this earth, it's every day in the Word of God. While we have our senses, use it in the Word of God every day. And he says, it would do you well to pay attention. It's a lamp shining in a dark place. It is a dark world. This is a lamp. This Word is a lamp to us. This Word is our lamp. It is a lamp to us. It's a lamp shining in a dark place. Verse 20. But know this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy has, was ever made by an act of human will. But men, moved by the Holy Spirit, spoke from God. So he says in verse 21, No prophecy was ever made by an act of human will. But by men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. And in this context, he's speaking in, in, about verse 20, prophecy of Scripture. Scripture is spoken by God. Scripture is spoken by God. And, and uh, uh, this is how God speaks to us. He speaks to us primarily through the Scriptures. Can the Holy Spirit drop a thought in our heart? Absolutely. Does he? Absolutely. But I'm telling you, our hearts are deceptive. Sometimes it's really hard to discern, is this word that I'm, I'm, I think that I'm hearing from the Lord? Is this really from the Lord or is this my own mind? Which one is it? Is it from the Lord or is it my own mind? And it's something that we have to be careful of. We really have to be careful of and take this to the Scripture because the Scripture is a more sure word. It is more sure than a thought that we get in our mind. This is, this is the prophecy that he's talking about. And he says in verse 20, But know this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. Now, anybody, any believer can interpret the Word of God. Any believer, God can speak to them through the Word of God. The more time you spend in it, the more you'll understand it. The more you study the, 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 the hermeneutics, the, the, the pattern by which you, you interpret Scripture, the better it is. But any believer, God can hear God's voice, people can hear God's voice through the Bible. Anybody. But this word, this last word, interpretation, in, in, in other translations, it's, it's, it's actually quite different. So, for example, if you look in the, in the Young's literal translation, it will say this. The first knowing that no prophecy of the writing doth come of private exposition. Nothing comes of a private exposition. Or another way it's put, and the same word in, that's translated here as interpretation is often translated as disclosure. In other words, nothing has ever come of an individual's own disclosure. Scripture is not a, an individual's own disclosure. And then he amplifies this in the next verse in 21. It is given by God. It is absolutely given by God. God is the one who has given this word. This is not an idle word for you, Moses said. Indeed, it is your life. This word. When Moses had worked with the children of Israel for 40 years, 40 years of instruction, how did Moses summarize 40 years of instruction? He summarized it in this way. This word is not an idle word for you. Indeed, it is your life. That's 40 years of instruction. He summarized in this way. Indeed, it is your life. Deuteronomy 32:45. When Moses had finished speaking all these words to all Israel, he said to them, Take to your heart all the words with which I am warning you today, 
which you shall command your sons to observe carefully even all the words of this law. For it is not an idle word for you. Indeed, it is your life. And by this word you will prolong your days in the land which you are about to cross the Jordan to possess. This is your life. So I want you to imagine. I want you to imagine your life. And think of how much you leave on the table. Think of how much you do not get to enjoy, how much you do not get to to partake of because you never took the word of God. Because the word of God is our life. This is what Moses is saying. The word of God is our life. This is what Peter is saying. It will do you great well to take this word. That's why he said in, 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 in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19, we have the prophetic word more sure to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place. This is a lamp shining in a dark place because these are words spoke from God. Verse 21. This is moved by the Holy Spirit, spoke from God. These are words spoke from God. God spoke these words. God spoke these words. It is this word that Peter is is calling us to. It is this word. If you are not in the pattern of reading the scriptures every day, every day, start today. Start today. And the way you can start is go to bed 15 minutes earlier because I want you to wake up tomorrow morning 15 minutes earlier than you normally do if you're not normally waking up and spending time in the Word of God. You say, well, I'm so busy in the morning. Good. Wake up 15 minutes earlier. That first 15 minutes, I want you to be in the Word of God. If you do not practice this, start in the Gospel of John, and I want you to read slowly, slowly. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Read that first verse and stop and say, Lord, speak to me through this passage. Lord, speak to me. And then read it again. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then break it up into parts. In the beginning. Lord, what does that mean, in the beginning? That means before ever there was time. In the beginning. In the beginning was the Word. A word is something kind of abstract. In the beginning was the Word. Word is information. There was some information there. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Wow, the Word was God. And then in verse 2 and 3, you will see that he adds a, 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 uh, a pronoun to it. He was in the beginning with God. This word becomes a person. He. And then by verse 14, your mind will just explode. It's just amazing. You might only get to verse 6 or 7 in the first 15 minutes when you read slowly and thoughtfully like that. That's okay. But then you pick up the next day where you left off the day before. And you work your way through the scriptures. That's what I want you to do. If you're not in this habit, then start in the Gospel of John and work your way through. Once you finish the Gospel according to John, work your way through the rest of the New Testament. This is the pattern I want you to have, and it will change your life. This is what it says. Moses said, it's not an idle word for you. It is your life. Don't leave so much of your life on the table. All the things you could have had, all the things you could have had. Imagine, on your way to heaven, You pass this big, like, Amazon super center. 
warehouse. Just goes on for miles and stuff. And you say, what's that building over there? Oh, that's all the stuff you could have had <laughs> in life that you left on the table. All the stuff in that Amazon Supercenter warehouse. That's all the stuff you could have had that you never had. That's what Moses said. He said, it's your life. You will leave so much untapped into. Untapped. If you, if, you, if you don't get in the word of God. And that's why Peter says, you take this and this is a light shining in the darkness. We have this word, this prophetic word, more sure. This prophetic word, more sure. And then later on in this book, he then takes the apostles' teaching and he merges it with the Old Testament writings to make them equivalent. And that's what we have in the New Testament. And this is what he tells us, because these words, these words were written by, the, by God, spoken from God, empowered through the Holy Spirit. And no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own disclosure. This came from God. That's why verse 21 complements verse 20. These words came from God. This is God's word to us. It is a more sure word than our personal experience. It's more sure than our personal experience. This word is more sure. This word is our life. If you don't know the Lord, I urge you to know the Lord this day. Please come and see me. Come and see me afterward. We will set up a time. We will do it right now. I'll sit with you and we'll, we'll go right through the word of God today. Today, we'll go through the word of God together and you'll get saved today. Just don't go. Don't, don't waste your life. Don't leave all this stuff on the table. Just get into the Word of God, and you can't get into the Word of God. You can't understand it. It's a closed book in many ways uh, because it becomes a lot more open to you once the Holy Spirit fills you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your Word. Blessed be your name. Thank you, Lord, for all you've blessed us with, with this Word. It is a lamp shining in a dark place, in a dark world. It is a word more sure. It is words spoken by God himself. Lord, I thank you for this word. I pray, Lord, that you would give these young people a heart and desire for this word. Because I know, Lord, that if they are daily in the word of God, their lives will flourish. They will flourish in you. Father, do this in their lives, I pray. Let them flourish because of this word. Father, I pray for the unbelievers, that their souls would be saved. Oh, Lord God, save souls, I pray. Save souls even this day. Glory be to Jesus. Blessed be his name. Amen.